The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, good morning. If I sound a little stuffy, it's because I am. I managed to get sick on Friday, but uh, I think it's from all those little kids, but I'm not going to say that. Out loud. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you for coming. It really is an honor to uh, share this space with you, whether it's sitting down or being on the stage. Um, you know, it's always very difficult to know what to say when people ask me, what do you do? Uh, because if I say, oh, well, I'm a worship leader, which I am, um, usually I get two reactions. One is their confusion. They don't really know what that is. Um, or the other is uh, more of a stereotypical image that it conjures up. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I'll tell you what the stereotypical image is. It's a guy in a flannel with really skinny tight jeans and, and Tom's shoes and a guitar. So hopefully I don't fit that. But anyway, um, so I like to kind of be creative in, in explaining what I do. Uh, so when I lived in Virginia, uh, I would fly up to New York often because my family was still up there. So when this one particular flight I was on, um, headed to JFK, I was sitting next to a woman, and she said hello, and I said hello, and, you know, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. And then she kind of um, went on to complain about her job a little bit. She's just frustrated because this is her third time going back to New York and in the same month, and then she asked me what I do. And I said, well, I work for a global enterprise. And she goes, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, we have... Nearly, we have outlets in nearly every country of the world. And she's, I mean, her eyes just lit up. And I said, uh, uh, you know, we do all kinds of work. We do, um, we've got hospitals and hospices. We do educational programs, feeding programs. We've got, uh, we do marriage work and, and, and all kinds of things. And she was just like, wow, that's really cool. And I said, basically what we do is we look after people from birth to death. And we deal specifically in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> and she goes, whoa, like, whoa. And people started to turn around and look at us, like, what's going on? And she said, well, what's it called? And I said, the church. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I mean, isn't it amazing that, that as followers of Christ, if you call yourself that, that we really are part of a global enterprise? And not only is it global, it's, it's, it's intergalactic because it, it includes everybody that's gone before us. I wonder if you've ever thought about yourself in that way. It's a pretty heavy thought. It's pretty awesome, actually. Um, I, I've been told it's, it's easier to be a worship leader than it is to be a, a preacher because, you know, as a worship leader, if I get up here and I sing a song um, and it happens to be the one you like, you're like, oh, that one, that one, do it again, you know, sing it, I'm going to sing it. And, and as a preacher, if I tell a story you go, and you've heard it, you go, oh, that one again. So I'm hoping for some of that worship leader treatment here. If I happen to tell a story that you already know, you can say, yeah, I know it. Preach it, preach it. Anyway, um, speaking of New York, I was recently there a few months ago and, uh, with Mandy, and we got to see my family and all that. Anyway, so we were headed to a show, and so we hop in this taxi. Now, I've, I've sort of been taught, and I guess it just has always stayed this way, but I always say, hi, how are you, uh, when I meet someone not really thinking about it. It kind of just slips out. And generally speaking, when you're in a taxi, you know, you probably don't want to say, hi, how are you? They probably don't even speak English. And Mandy, on the other hand, is, is quite pri- private. So she's always saying, babe, stop asking people how they are. Um, and, and so sure enough, we get in the taxi. And before my butt can get in the seat, hi, how are you? 
And it turns out the guy actually spoke English, which was cool. And then, uh, and so we got to talking a little bit, and then he said he was a Christian. I'm like, that's great. So were we. And then he said uh, that he's a worship leader, and I thought, that was cool, very cool. And then he sang us a song. Um, and at first, I was like, I don't know what's happening. But on, <laughs> honestly, at the end of the ride, it was quite amazing. Because here was a guy who was a, a full-time taxi driver who saw himself as a worship leader. I thought that was pretty neat. It's so important um, that our perspective be bigger than it normally is. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is perspective. It's so, uh, so important. And God's called us to live a life that is, that's full of hope and, and optimism, um, not just to be optimistic for the sake of being optimistic, but the fact is God's on our side. You've read the end of the book, right? I have. He wins. He conquered death. He gave us salvation. Perspective. How do you, how do you see things? There was this worker in a factory, and at the end of the working day, he was, you know, pushing his wheelbarrow out, and there was a small box in the wheelbarrow. Anyway, he gets stopped by the security guard, and he says, what do you have in the wheelbarrow? I have a small box. Yeah, I know that, but what do you have in the small box? Well, you know, at the end of each day, um, all the sawdust is swept up and thrown away. I, I wanted some sawdust, so I thought I'd put some sawdust in the small box. Security guard says, open the box, let me see. So he opens it. Sure enough, there's sawdust. He's like, all right, go on, go home, get out of here. So the next day, same thing. Third day, same thing. Fourth day, same thing. Fifth day, same guy pushing the wheelbarrow with a small box. Same security guard. He stops him. What do you got there, small box? Yeah, okay, what's in it? Sawdust. Open it up. He opens it up. It's sawdust. Security guard starts to think that something's up, and, but he doesn't know what. So he says, look, I, I think you're stealing something. I, I just don't know what it is. If you tell me, I promise I won't report you. Just, just tell me. So the guy goes, okay, fine. I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> Isn't life like a little bit like that? <laughs> it's, it's easy for us to get distracted, to get caught up on these, these small things, that small box, and not realize the wheelbarrow's there. Uh, it's so important that we gain a big picture, a bigger perspective in life, that we gain God's perspective on our life. You know, we, we look up at the cross, but Christ looked down on the cross to us. It's a different perspective, and, and it's important uh, this morning, I, I really want to emphasize that we try to gain a little bit of a bigger perspective. So can we pray together as we get started here? Father, we thank you for life, and I, and I thank you for these next few minutes, and I pray that, that your spirit would would just be undeniable in this space, that you would open our eyes and ears and that we would be able to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and that if my words be true, may they find ground and grow, and if my words be false, then may they be forgotten. I pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Soren Kierkegaard, he's a Danish philosopher, he once said that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. That's a lot of help, Soren. <laughs> but that's why older people are so wise, right? They get to look back on their life and, and share some of uh, what they've learned. And this morning, I'm, I'm hoping to look at a scripture, a couple of scriptures here, and, and we can look back at some of the life that we've already lived, and then we can look forward. We're going to spend, spend some time in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. It's a scripture that most of you may be familiar with, Hebrews 12, 
1 through 3. It's page uh, 1101 in my Bible. I can't find it. Right before the book of hesitation. (laughs) Anyway, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It goes on. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Speaking of weary, have you noticed, uh, it seems like everybody's working at least two jobs. I don't know anyone that's working just one job anymore. Uh, obviously, it's, it's become increasingly expensive to live, and, and, and I think we're doing it out of sheer survival. The problem is, I think a lot of us now, we have so many irons in the fire, we're, we put the fire out. And you know what I'm talking about, where, where our output is exceeding our input, and I am learning more and more. If my output exceeds my input, then my upkeep will be my downfall. If my output exceeds my input, then my upkeep will be my downfall. The reality is for most of us, our output seems to far outweigh our input. There's so many things that we're balancing. There's so many things that we're doing. There's so many things that seem to be required of us in life. My question to you this morning is, what are you putting back inside of yourself? What are you feeding yourself? Are you giving yourself anything? Are you connected to God? A lot of people burning the candle at both ends, and they wake up and discover one day that they're not that bright after all. And I'm learning this every day I've been there. And I'm learning that I need to live by, by priorities and not by pressures. And it's so easy to, to slip into living by pressures. You know, your priorities get blurred, and then they get broken down, and then they're gone. And you wake up one day and you realize how far you've gone from God, how far you've gone from the things that actually matter. And this morning I want to remind you, as I've been reminded myself, that, that God is first and your family and your loved ones are second and, and everything else is after that. When you've got a perspective, you've got a viewpoint, a larger viewpoint, it's easier to rise above circumstances. It's easier to forgive others. It's easier to forgive yourself. And you move on. Don't let the past hold you back. The past is the past. Don't saw sawdust. A lot of people do that. They're sawing sawdust in the past. We need to be positive. We need to be optimistic. I know this sounds simple, but I I think the more I talk to people, I'm realizing that we need to be reminded of that afresh every day. We have to lean towards God. When the scripture says, you know, the sin that so easily entangles us, Sin takes on many forms, doesn't it? It's not just actions. It's thoughts too, isn't it? And, and, and we get caught in this uh, cycle. And, and then we lose sight of God. And then these distractions that are small things start to seem like they're large things. And when we get shaken up, we realize how far from God we actually have gone. And it's easy to be hard on yourself. It's easy to get negative about things, isn't it? We had this game when I was a kid. Oh, my dad called it a game. I thought it was more like torture. But around the dinner table, um, I have two younger sisters. So we had to say something good about each other. 
I'm so hard. <laughs> and for some reason, these rules didn't apply to mom and dad. It only applied to my sisters and I. And, and I mean, no ifs, ands, no buts. If, if you didn't say something good, you wouldn't eat. Uh, so, so we had to go around the table and, and, and say something good. And the reason the game was even started was because my sisters and I, I mean, just biting comments and making fun of each other and blaming each other for stuff that's broken in the house and, you know, stuff like that. And so there was this rule. And I got to tell you, it was so hard for me to find something good to say. Isn't it weird? It's, it, it's kind of incredible how hard it is for us to be positive sometimes. It's so easy to be negative. And, and, and then the, the negativity, it starts to grow, not just towards others. It, it grows even in our, it, we can be negative about ourselves. And even now, I, as an adult, I can say, there, man, there are times I can slip there so easily. But the problem is it starts to fester, right? It's like this little click that you have. And, and, and sometimes even your conversations can be heavy. Have you noticed that about some people? That even their conversations are heavy. It's like, oh. When you say, how are you? And now I'm not saying don't, you know, don't, don't lie. But, but even your body language and your tones are just like, hmm. so how are things? Well, you know, under the circumstances, I'm okay. And, and already you're like, under the circumstances. You feel so heavy just talking to the person. I think circumstances are kind of like a mattress. You lie on top, you're going to be okay. If you lie underneath, you're going to suffocate. So next time somebody says, how are you, when you say, how are you, and they say, I'm okay under this mattress, I'm suffocating, but I'm okay. <laughs> it's easy in life to get negative. It just, it really is. Um, we need to make a conscious decision to be positive, to be optimistic. You know, when, when David saw Goliath, there were really just two possible reactions. The first reaction was, whoa, he's really big, I'm getting out of here. Possibly reaction number two, whoa, he's really big, how can I miss? <laughs> we have to be positive. It's, it's easy not to have a big perspective in life, to, to output, 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 and not to input, input, input. And I've been surely guilty of this during different seasons of my life. Um, and potential is tied close, closely to perspective. It's, sometimes it's hard to see that relationship when you're in a moment, when you're in a chapter of your life, but they really affect each other. The Japanese fish, the koi, I'm sure some of you have heard of this. If you took that fish and you put it in a small fishbowl, it grows to two inches. If you took that fish out of the fishbowl, put it in a larger fish tank, it'll grow to eight inches. You took it out of the tank and put it into a pond, it'll grow to 18 inches. If you took it out of the pond and put it into a lake, it grows to 42 inches. Every koi fish has the potential to grow to 42 inches. But it can be restricted by its environment. And I think sometimes for people like us, yes, we can be restricted by our environment, but we also put restrictions on ourselves. A big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big lake. It's, it's so important to realize what, what God has put inside of us and to allow that to be fulfilled, to be realized. Have you guys been watching the Olympics? It's pretty inspiring, huh? It kind of reminds me how weak I am compared to some of those guys out there. But if you have the ability to play professionally, it'd be a shame if you didn't. If you had the ability to play not just professionally, but for your country, it'd be a great disappointment if you didn't do that, if you had that potential. Are you asking God, are we asking God, what is my potential? I think sometimes 
we make choices that actually restrict ourselves. What, what is your prayer when you talk to God? Are, are you asking, are you saying, God, what do you want to do with me? Or is it, is it a bit of a laundry list? Did you know that there was an ice factory that actually caught fire? Seriously. And, and they had to call a fire station to come and put out the fire. Uh, so the firefighters are there. And even though the ice factory had all the H2O it needed to put the fire out, the problem was all their assets were frozen. <laughs> it's true. And I think sometimes this is true of us. We've got a lot more assets, but they feel frozen. Either because of choices that you've made or, or decisions or, or attitudes. And I, I can look back on some of the moments in my life where, where I was restricted. And then there were some moments where I chose restrictions on my life. I wonder if you can think about that this morning in your life and looking back. This morning, I, I do want to say, guys, that I, I, can, I can honestly say, hey, Lord, you know, here I am, and I don't want any restrictions on my life. What you have inside, you put inside of me what you've entrusted to me. I want it to be fully realized. I want to be all that you've called me to be. Show me what that is. Help me, put me in that direction. This psychologist, um, he did an interesting experiment with fish. He had this large tank and, you know, this fish swimming back and forth. So they'd go all the way from one end to the other, to the other, to the other. And he put a uh, pane of glass right down the center so obviously the fish, as they swam, they would hit their heads because they didn't know it was there. He noticed that it took about seven times for them to slam into it before they realized, oh, there's something there. So then what they would do, they'd swim, stop about an inch, turn around, and go back. And so they started doing that. So then he removed the pane of glass. What do you think happened? They swam halfway, stopped, and turned around. Swam halfway, stop and turn around, because they thought that there was a barrier there. And I think oftentimes in our lives, we perceive that there are barriers, when in reality, they are not. And perhaps in the past, you may have had reason to think, or maybe there was a barrier in your life initially, but now there's not. Are we allowing our perspective to be shaped by just what we think, or are we asking God to give us a larger perspective on our lives? So we're not just concerned about our little corner of the world, but we realize how our little corner affects everything else. And so many times in my life, I've, I've had perceived barriers, and, and then I realized that they didn't exist. It w- and it's easy to magnify those little things, those little irritations. It's like a grain of sand in your shoe. It just it gets annoying, right? And, and, and it starts to fester, and, and it becomes a stumbling block and then it seems like this this very large mountain in front of you. Are we asking God what our perspective, to, to gain a bigger perspective? What is your potential? If you're meant to be in a lake, are you still in a pond? You have to stretch. If, if you believe that God is for you, if God is on your side, if you're asking God for his perspective, you need to stretch. You need to be okay to step out. I heard this story recently that I have to share with you. It's about a guy who, um, he's in an airport and he wanted a bag of donuts and some coffee. So he, uh, you know, he goes up to the counter and, and buys his donuts and his coffee. And he's looking for a place to sit down. The problem is every seat's taken in, in the terminal. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees there is one table where there's just a man sitting there. So he thinks, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll head over there and sit on the opposite side. 
So he does that. He heads over, puts his coffee down, puts his bags down, puts his coat on the chair and sits down, opens his coffee, takes a sip of the coffee, puts it back down. Then he uh, reaches over, grabs a bag of donuts, puts a donut in his mouth, puts it back down. The other man, across from him, stretches over the table, grabs his bag of donuts, puts one in his mouth, puts the bag back down, and smiles. The other guy cannot believe what he just saw. A man just stole one of his donuts. Doesn't he know that you, you don't do that around here? It's not, it's not the right thing to do. But, the, but he wasn't sure what was happening, so he just decided to stay silent. But he gave him one of those, like, you know, don't eat my donuts look, you know? <clears throat> so then uh, the, the man, he grabs his bag of donuts and he brings it closer to the edge of his table, eats another donut, turns sideways, right? Body language, resistance, and throws up his paper and starts to read. The other man stretches over the table again, grabs another donut, puts the bag back down, eats it, and smiles. The guy cannot believe this. Two donuts now he's eaten. What is wrong with this dude? There's something missing in his head. Thankfully, the, the guy had to uh, get up and leave. Uh, because his flight was coming. So the original man thought, finally, it's about time, you donut thief. Get out of here. And then he looks down at his watch and realizes it's, his flight's coming up. So he grabs his coffee, puts his coat on, bends down to pick up his luggage, and sitting on his luggage is his bag of donuts. <laughs> He's complaining the entire time that this man is stealing his donuts when, in fact, this man was sharing his donuts with him. Now, here's the point. The point is God owns all the donuts, all of them. The bag that it's in, the ground that it's, it's on, the table. It's, it's so important. It's so important that we realize that God is God, and he's not applying for the job. And, and you know what? If you've asked him into your life, if you are seeking after him, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, if you're asking for a bigger perspective, if you're asking him to reveal his plans in your life, you're going to be more than okay. You're going to live a life that is full and that is fulfilling and that is strong and has momentum and you will affect loads of people for good, for his glory. I, th- I think the hardest verse in the Bible is do not worry. We so often live our lives as if God is not on the throne as if God doesn't know what we're thinking. And I think most of the times we worry is because we don't envision our future with God in it. I'd ask you this morning, think about this. When you think about your future, are you factoring God into that? Or is that an afterthought? Is that something that just comes into play in the present? And what does the scripture say? And that Christ sits on the right hand of the throne of God. Are we believing that? Am I believing that. I find it incredible sometimes that I can stand up here and lead a song and these incredible lyrics, but then I can live my life in a way that so often says, basically, I'm not trusting you, God. I'm not really believing that you're sitting on the throne. God is God, and this has been pressed on my heart so much these past few weeks. And I can look back in my life and see, and see times that I haven't trusted him 100%, that I didn't think he was going to figure it out, you know, kind of work it out for me. And my eyes weren't fixed on Christ. They were fixed on my circumstances. They were fixed on, on, on these things that I perceived, my perceived barriers. I need to make sure that my life is reflective of the God that I sing about, the God that I'm talking about this morning. And 
you need to have that perspective. We, we live in a world of miracle and of mystery. And this morning, I, I want to tell you that God can take whatever it is that you have and work it for good. Not everything we've done may be good, but he can take it and work it for good. And when we realize that it's all God's, our time, our talent, and our treasure, that you, are, I know, you and I are only stewards. We're only guardians of what he's entrusted to us. And it's so important to, to be reminded of that afresh every day. Yes, okay, it's all yours, God. The pressure's off. We, we, we get to just use what God has entrusted us with to do good. And to be, to be a Christian, it means you have to be, what, connected to Christ, right? You have to be. The word Christian has the word Christ in it. If you took Christ out of the word Christian, you're left with I-A-N. Ian is not going to help you. We, we have to be connected to Christ. Are our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith? You know, I've heard this analogy um, before about our lives being like a car, a car of your life. And, and, and if you call yourself a follower of Christ, then Jesus Christ is in your car, right? And I would venture to guess this morning that with most of you, since you're sitting here, that Christ is in your car. The question is, where in your car is he? Some people, you know, they, they drive to church and unlock the trunk, get Jesus out of the trunk, and, and kind of have him there for a religious happy hour, and then kind of put him get back in the trunk because uh, they, they don't want to be seen with him around. And then some people have Jesus in the back seat, kind of a passenger, and some have him in the front seat, a little more of a companion, but still a passenger. And then some of us have Jesus in the driver's seat. So I want to ask you this morning, as I've had to ask myself um, many a time, particularly this week, where is Christ in my car? That's a good question. Where is Christ in your car? For those of you that have said, oh, he's in the driver's seat, I have one more question for you. Are you a backseat driver? <laughs> you get to an intersection in the road, and, and you know, Christ makes a right, and you're like, where are you going? I'm going down the road to forgive. I don't want to forgive anybody today. Right? You get to another intersection, he makes a left. Where are you going? Going down the road of generosity. I don't want to be generous to anyone today. Where is Christ in your car? <laughs> what am I saying? I, I'm learning more and more that I need to gain a, a bigger perspective in my life. And that as followers of Christ, that we need to gain a bigger perspective in our lives. If you believe in the gospel, the gospel actually requires you to move past yourself. It's not just about you and God. It's about the world. It's about us and Jesus Christ. How, how, how does God see you? Wouldn't that be interesting to get a glimpse of that? You know how freeing that would be? God, I, I don't want to be the person that has so many irons in the fire, I actually put the fire out. I don't want my output to exceed my input. I want to be somebody who's optimistic, who's positive. Not because it's a nice thing to do, it's a great thing to do. It's because I know what God has done I know what God is doing, and I know what he's going to do. I want to be someone who all the potential, all the assets that God has entrusted me with, I want them to be thought out so I can use them for his glory. I want to be someone who removes all these perceived barriers through the strength that God has given me. And I want to be someone who perseveres, someone who has their eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I, um, 
I'm not all that I should be. I am much, much better than I used to be. And I know where God wants me to be. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for who you are, and I thank you for what you've done in our lives already. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would continue to press in our hearts that, that you are God, that you, that you are in control of all, that our eyes would be fixed on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and that you would give us the courage to, to step forward, remove these perceived barriers, O oh Lord, There is much that we can do. There is so much that you've given us. I pray you open our eyes to that. May we be good guardians of what you've given us. Help us to gain a larger perspective. We love you for who you are. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.